0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Church Hurts Podcast. This week, our guest is a man named Josh Packard. I'm so excited uh, that he is here. Uh, He is the executive director of a group called Springtide Research Institute, and he is just incredibly knowledgeable about this idea that Gen Z, 13 to 25-year-olds, are uh, exceedingly lonelier than any other generation uh, ever before them. And what's crazy about this conversation and where it's falling is just what is going on in our world with COVID-19 and having to stay home. This generation is feeling lonelier and lonelier. But as you're going to hear in this discussion, there's some interesting thoughts that Josh has about what this is going to do to the older generations and the ways that they can, through living what teenagers are living, um, can go back and maybe fix some mistakes that we've made and change the trajectory of this loneliness thing so there's actually some really positive uh feelings uh that we can have going forward through this if we will learn and i think you're going to hear a really good conversation uh from josh they've done all the research um to really uh do this well and you can check out their uh, report belonging uh is available right now you can get it on their website um springtownresearch.org and uh yeah it's awesome uh you should go check it out because i mean it's it's a big deal as someone who's in youth ministry um i see this stuff firsthand all the time and unfortunately as you're going to hear but also fortunately that we know um church attendance doesn't seem to really do anything about about that and you're going to hear josh explain what that what it, what i mean by that and what they mean by that as we go forward but anyway without further ado here is the church, church podcast Everyone, welcome back to the Church Hurts Podcast. My name is Josh McLemore, and this week my guest is a Josh Packard. Say hey, man. Hey, how are you, Josh? I'm good, Josh. Uh, we are having having a meeting of the Josh's, and I'm real excited about it. Um, you and I connected um through the group, the group of people that you work with, Springtide Research Institute, um, over Twitter, I believe, right? So that seems reasonable.
1: Yeah, we're, we're in a lot of different social media platforms that we are springtide. Um, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where it was. I think we connected there um, through some other people at your, at your organization. And so I'm just excited to have you here um, real quick. If you want to give me um, I kind of ask this of most guests to give a flyover of kind of their experience with church kind of growing up where they're at now. Um, Typically, that leads us into a story of Church Hurt. We're going to be spending some time talking about the research that you guys are doing. Um, Mm. So a little bit different, but still would like to have context of a little bit of who you are and maybe even how you get to Springtide, if if that's possible.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity to do that. I mean, you're right. I might be a little bit um, different from your normal guests. I don't think that my experience would be considered, you know, characterized as Church Hurt as much as maybe Church Skeptical. Mm. Uh <laughs> I grew up uh I grew up in in church uh, to some extent. I mean, we started uh around middle school when it was time for confirmation and and my parents had an actual coin toss at the dinner table and my cuz my dad was Catholic and my mom was Lutheran and my dad lost <laughs> the coin toss and so I went to the Lutheran church. <laughs> um but I'm pretty convinced, you know. Mothers have a way. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure we'd have gone for two out of three, and then three out of five, and so on, if she had <laughs> lost. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I really liked it. It was ELCA, you know, a, a pretty open, accepting um, platform. I found a lot of validation there and a lot of leadership roles for me to play as a as a young person. Um, so church was good to me. Went to not for religious reasons, but just for friend reasons. Went to Texas Lutheran University, where I was involved in campus ministry. Um, and, and uh, worked at summer camps, um, did all kinds of, you know, sort of, yeah, like, I I, I would say pretty like traditional, normal, but I mean, I, I fully recognize that those words traditional and normal come with air quotes around them, because they're traditional <laughs> and normal for a certain segment of the population with a, a pretty distinct amount of privilege to go to mm. private schools and work at summer camps and stuff like that. Um, and then from there, it was uh, as an English major, Proud English major for all the rest mm-hmm. of you out there who are always looking for English majors who managed to stay off the uh, government dole and get real jobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of them, and then, but but really found myself drawn to data and research, and uh, went to graduate school at Vanderbilt for sociology, and and it was there that I realized I could continue this this interest. What had what had turned from you know not only a not only a sort of personal um, interest but a professional interest in how people come to religion what its impact is on people um how they sort of create it out of thin air sometimes um Mm. and uh became a sociologist of religion i've written a few books i wrote uh, church refugees um most recently about why people leave the church but keep their faith and uh I've heard from a lot of people who were, you know, from the church abuse and church hurts backgrounds um, in the course of doing that research. And that's sort of how I made my career. And then, you know, in academia, I'm a professor at the University of Northern Colorado still, but currently, and this is how I come to your show, is uh, also serving as the executive director of the Springtide Research Institute. Um, mm. Springtide is, I think, unique among uh, uh, research groups in the country in that. Uh, you know, we're led by me, a trained academic, but I've never been the kind of academic that is interested in talking to other academics. I've always, uh, which I think is great and fine. And I love the people who do that. <laughs> if my advisor is listening, I hope he doesn't disown me. Um, <laughs> but but I really have always been drawn to the kind of work that, you know, the, the place where academia and good, solid science and research can meet practitioners where, mm-hmm. you know, doing the work on the ground and outfitting them with the best kind of information. And I think that's especially crucial when it comes to the church world, because my experience has been that the church world, um, is often really underserved by, by bad data, skewed data, um, you know, people with particular agendas to serve. And, and if this results in practice that doesn't actually line up with what's going on in the real world. Um, mm. and so springtide Tide is this, is this place that is, uh, you know, we, we, we take an explicitly neutral stance. We understand that, that practitioners will do with this, what they want to do, but we, our, our mantra, we believe that no young person should have to navigate life's most important questions alone. Mm. And, and we're here to make sure that we, you know, resource and outfit people who work with young people so that way they can see that young people don't have to be by themselves when they ask what are essentially like life's most important questions, you know, what yeah. should I do with my life? What you know, what should I be when I grow up? What's what happens to me when I die? Is there a God,
0: et cetera. Wow. Um, so I want to, I want to, that's awesome. And I want to back up to a second. So, um, you're talking about kind of research in church world and, um, you know, I'm for, I'm familiar with some of the research that's out there. Um, and I'm not going to name drop anybody, but I do want to know, I'm interested. um, Oh, feel free. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like the only, the only research that I, you, that I ever hear about in church world is always Barna. That's always what gets brought up, the Barna research. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm not interested necessarily in in how you do or don't feel about that. What I am interested in is you said something about practices that don't line up with like what the data, um, is, is showing us. So like, what would some of those practices be that you see churches going like, okay, well, this is what, these are the practices we're going to do because so-and-so said this, you know, research wise, what is this, what's not lining up? What's not connecting? Well,
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the questions you're asking. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick on Barn. I like, I mean, I think the work David does is really good. Um, (laughs) and but but you should understand what people's like what their goals are and barna will tell you i mean you can read on their mission page and i think this is a laudable goal it's just not ours um which is Mm. you know explicitly to get you know people back in the pews of evangelical churches across the country and that's totally fine it's just not springtide's goal Mm. um and and then i think that there are some places that are a little bit more narrow in that approach like uh um what comes out of um LifeWay, no it's the yeah. i can't remember I'm, I'm blanking on the name of their research institute for the southern baptist convention where they just deny they just denied for so long that things were happening that were like you know they would say for example that the 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 um you know, the the theory, the the phenomenon of the nuns, of young people checking no religious affiliation, especially, but all people checking no, they said that that wasn't affecting them, which is just not true. Mm. Um, And so what this leads to is a particular set of practices, primarily with the questions that those places are asking, not necessarily with bad data, but just with incomplete pictures. And so Mm. what I mean by this is that if you're only or primarily studying things through that particular lens, then you're missing all of this nuance in terms of the way that the world actually works. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're not being really diverse in your sampling, if you're not asking the kinds of questions that, um, you know, meeting young people where they're at, or if you're not, um, if you're especially if you're not digging into the qualitative research with a lot of, um, you know, with a lot of good interviews and focus groups and stuff, you're going to miss a lot of that. So, for example. Um, I think that, you know, <laughs> we can get this, uh, one way or another, whether it's data driven or otherwise, uh, it seems like one of the like raging misconceptions out there in the world is that this, you know, if 30% of young people are checking the box that says that they are none when they're, you know, that's how we get that term nuns is we mm-hmm. ask them to check the box. Are you Christian Protestant, Christian Catholic, Muslim, Jewish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the last box is always none. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's been the biggest, you know. Pew put that number out. Gallup has also done the same work. Every other study's confirmed it. Our own study confirms the same number. And, but the but the misconception there is that the we we like especially people in the evangelical Protestant world have taken that number, uh, the number of nuns, and and said that either young people don't care or they've seen them as, uh, like a, a, the greatest missionary field in the country, et cetera, et cetera. But there's more nuance there. And so if you look at like Elizabeth Thresher's work. You you begin to understand, and she wrote this fabulous book called Choosing Our Religion, that there's a whole lot of nuance of belief among the nuns. Mm. That that young people, especially, are not these, like, it's not that they don't care about religion. They're still asking these questions. The the real truth here, um, the, the reason why they check none has much more to do with this sort of overall decline in the trust of social institutions. It's not that they don't want anything to do with religion. Uh, as much as it is that they just don't trust uh, institutional religion to provide the answers for that, and so that's without understanding that sort of larger sociological thing, without looking outside of your, um, you know, without outside of, outside of your particular field, you you end up making a whole bunch of of like wrong assumptions about the kinds of actions that you should take. And so, what mm. we've got our know, like I, not to belabor this point, but we've got a whole bunch of youth pastors and other people like running around trying to convince young people that God is important. <laughs> And right. it only further cements the fact that the young people don't trust institutions to understand them. Cause they're like, we know God is important. We right. just don't necessarily think that the church is important. Mm. Um, so that's one example. I mean, it, it's a, uh, there, there really is this like, it is crucial to take a, a wider lens of these things. The way I sometimes talk about this is, uh, you know, the, the church has been telling itself that it is, the main star in a story about like the church it is this it -hmm. is the you know it is the star actor in a movie about church and the reality is that it is one more actor in a story that's been unfolding over the last 50 years about the decline in trust uh in social institutions Mm -hmm. and when you shift that perspective you begin to see that like this isn't just something that you're dealing with every other institution has been dealing with it it's not your fault alone which is also kind of nice um, <laughs> and it also points you to some other solutions that other industries have figured out to deal with this sort of lack of trust.
0: Mm. I, I want to, I definitely want to come back to some of those solutions in, in a minute, um, for sure, as we, as we get towards the end of this thing, but, um, man, you're just, you're giving me so much good stuff. I love it. And, um, you guys have done some, some, some really interesting research here. Um, and I want to get into some of that and what that looks like. Um, and kind of like, I want to, I want to combine it. So I'm a youth pastor and I told you that before we got Mm -hmm. started. Um, I've been in youth ministry now for going on 12 years. Um, well in and out of youth ministry, I kind of started in youth ministry, became like a teaching pastor of a church, essentially like the associate pastor over that whole church and then back into youth ministry. Um, and so you're doing research specific, like you're, so you're looking at like 13 to 25 year olds, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our focus at Springtide is 13 okay. to 25 year olds.
0: So, I mean, you're right in the wheelhouse of either students that I'm currently working with or sh- students that maybe I've had in the past couple of years. Um, and so when I saw your guys' research, I was drawn to it and interested in it. And um, honestly, for me, and, and I, I wasn't surprised by the things that I saw, mm-hmm. but I know that people in my church would be. Um, (laughs) oh
1: wait tell me more about that because i'm very curious like why why the difference there
0: uh the difference between me and my church (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: because i feel like this is something Um, i hear a lot like frontline like i feel like we wrote this whole report about how to create belonging among young people right and it's for practitioners but but i don't think that i mean there are some things in there that maybe that practitioners like youth directors youth workers can take from it and put directly into action but i think there's this like this other hidden thing that's going on here, which is that like a lot of youth workers are going to go into their like head pastor's office and just drop it on their desk and be like, now let me do the thing that I know that I need to do that uh, I've been yeah. trying to tell you about for the last you know five years or whatever.
0: Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. So, um, ha- having been entrenched in, in frontline youth ministry work, um, you know, not to spoil, you know, all your research here, but <laughs> one of the, one of the things that you guys say is that, um, cause we're going to talk a lot about loneliness and I de- we got to get there cause it's so, so, so yeah. important for students. Um, but there's a statement that you guys make that basically like the loneliness thing, the, the remedy for that, the way that we connect students and, and young people to church and, and, and work against the fact that church doesn't seem to affect the way that they feel loneliness um, or the way they do or don't Mm -hmm. is they need adults that are invested in their lives. And like I heard that and I was like, yeah, every youth pastor book I've read for the past 10 years has told me that every church that I've worked at, I've been shouting it until I'm blue in the face that I need. I need volunteers, not because I don't want to do work, but because we are capped at my capacity as Mm -hmm. one person with students and every single bit of research, yours included shows us that the thing that holds students to church and make them feel included, um, in a way that allows them to hopefully stick to that is that there are multiple adults that are invested in their lives. Um, and I've had, I, I worked at one church where this was flawless, um, mm-hmm. I had, I had small group leaders that were so good. They were freaking rock stars. And I, we, I've, I went to a baseball game for a student. Their small group leader was with me. It wasn't just the youth pastor. It was a small group leader. It was someone else in the church that was connected to them in a big way. I had a bunch of a team of many youth pastors, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you come into churches that are not familiar with that model. Um, and it's hard to get people to get it. And I'm like, I need you to understand everybody's saying this, like, I'm not making this up. (laughs) And so, um, (laughs) like like I'm not making it up. It's, 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 it's real. It's a thing. And so I read your research and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Preach. Like I'm like testifying over here and, uh, and I'm United Methodist, so we don't do that a lot, but (laughs) it's like, look, this research is so, it's so good. Um, but it, it is also disheartening. And 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 so I want I want you to get into it, but I wanna I wanna have this caveat for churches because I know there are gonna be people that are listening that are gonna there are gonna be some people that are in youth ministry where they're gonna be like, yep yep mm-hmm, I know that that's awesome, mm-hmm. but there are gonna be other people who are gonna start to hear things like when you talk about how you know this generation is feeling lonelier and lonelier, and church doesn't seem to affect that number. That's a hard reality that I know as a youth pastor, um, but churches. And kind of what you said like they don't want to hear that <laughs> they want to ignore that but it's it's a reality and so we can't fix it churches until we listen to it um and we own that it's a thing Like you ha- i mean you can't fix a thing that you don't think is broken so right. anyway that being said so i don't get all over your research why don't you tell me um exactly what you guys found
1: yeah sure um well look so this starts with uh the story here starts with Cigna, the big health. Um, uh, what are they? A health insurance company? They did this study a couple of years ago, talking, you know, that revealed the the health impacts and the extent of loneliness and social isolation in America. Um, mm-hmm. And the, I don't. They did not suspect this. They didn't know this was going to happen. But perhaps the most surprising and important thing that came out of their study, um, which went all the way from eighteen up to, I think, the oldest person is like ninety five or something. Um, Was that young, young generations, uh, Gen Z in their study Mm -hmm. is the most lonely and isolated of all the generations, which is, you know, we've been doing UCLA loneliness scale has been around for 35, 40 years or something. People have been doing studies on this for a while, and that has never happened. It's always the oldest generation that clocks in as the loneliest for reasons that I Mm -hmm. think are pretty, you know, quick to, it's still sad, but, uh, easy to understand. I mean, you know, losing friends and, and, uh, health abilities and mobility and stuff like that. Um, But this time it was the youngest people, the people that when I go and speak at conferences, the audience members say, but they're always on their phones. Like those people, (laughs) the ones who are always on their phones are the loneliest. Yeah. Um, We extended that in our study down to 13 and found the same thing. Um, Even when you, even when you go down to 13 year olds, you're still, you still find um, that they clock in as the loneliest of the, um or that their loneliness uh, scales uh, are off the charts so that mm-hmm. so that's where we start like we start with this notion that there's this major misconception out there around what young people are doing versus how they feel so you know we think that young people are completely connected to each other all the time on social media and texting and and um and other places usually digitally um but the and that is true Um, and it leads us to believe this thing though, that they're, that they're very connected and that they couldn't possibly be isolated. And that is not true. Hmm. The, the reality is that those two things exist side by side. Um, when we asked, so I'll give you just a couple of numbers here. Um, one in three young people said that they often or always feel completely alone. Um, Hmm. nearly 40% have no one to talk to and feel left out. What? what we expected to find was that church attendance would be this buffer so we thought like we, you know we went you know like good scientists we go into this with a hypothesis mm-hmm. and we and we thought like hey we're going to what we really thought we were going to tease out was whether or not there was any difference between being involved in like say after school activities versus being involved in church because we thought there was going to be like some you know magic elixir about religious kinds of things that that like the whole you know if you want to call it the holy spirit or whatever that would be like that we would be able to demonstrate that church is different than baseball um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, chess club or something. Right. That was what, that's what, that's why we even asked this question in the first place. And what, what we found though was that young people who attended religious gatherings were no less likely to feel alone and isolated than those who didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, The numbers here are, um, uh, this is where we get into the stuff that is like the heartbreaking and, and sort of uh, staggering about the, um, the sort of lack of protective effect, I guess, Mm. um, that, that you would find, um, for church people where all of them. So like, look, 39% say that they sometimes or always have nobody to talk to of the entire sample. When we just take out and look at the people who attend religious gatherings and by the religious gatherings, we, we, we gave them worship, you know, campus ministries, uh, youth groups, whatever. We gave them a long list of examples to make sure that they knew that we weren't just talking about services. Right. Um, so that, that number goes from 39% to 36%. I feel completely alone. 33% to 30%. I feel as if no one understands me. 45%, 43%, on, 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 on. In each case, you know, well within the margin of error here, that, that attendance just didn't matter. Hmm. And that was, uh, I mean, so that was like, really sad aha moment, number one for us in this, um, in the study, you know, we, we aren't, we aren't naive people, but we expected that attendance would create a sense of belonging. And it doesn't, um, -hmm. that, that simply, simply showing up and being counted, um, sometimes literally, as you know, um, (laughs) It just doesn't. It doesn't have that that protective effect. It may do other things, and I think that this is where we get in. You know, it, that it, it maybe it increases somebody's religious knowledge. I don't know. We didn't ask those questions, um, but it doesn't do anything to stave off these feelings of isolation and loneliness, which are really core to people's sense of identity. Uh, this is where we get into the part where you're talking about the the pill might be hard to swallow for some people at church, and I, I want to make a major caveat here, which is you know. Uh, you've probably, Josh, I don't, we've all are under some sort of stay at home order or many of us in the country are at some sort of stay at home order. I imagine you've watched a movie yeah. this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have, I have. did you, did you go to Blockbuster to get your movie? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and and you wouldn't have, even if you were watching a movie when you were allowed to go outside of your house, you would have gotten it from some, some sort of, st- uh, a streaming site probably. Right.
0: Um, you'd have downloaded yeah, it. it. Yeah. Maybe you know red I mean? box but <laughs> yeah
1: maybe but yeah. red box at best right the point the point I'm trying to make here is that it like if you remember back I don't know how old you're I'm 42 I remember Blockbuster in the in the early 1990s it was amazing like you yeah. could just walk in pick any move so it's the same thing that's happening in the church world the program driven models the sort of if we build it they will come I mean in my in my era it was lock-ins. I don't know but I don't know if you've ever led a lock-in as a youth director but um
0: that yeah, was good. I, ha- I have I <laughs> have <laughs> I'm out, so here, in the game? So I am 31 and go. um and so I've been in youth ministry like I grew up in youth ministries lock-ins were huge um I yep. actually have a a a very large disdain for lock-ins yeah um so uh, we don't (laughs) do director ever no we don't do them we don't do them um my kids would love they well they think they would love for me too um but then i'm like okay but your parents have to chaperone and then they're like okay never mind (laughs) okay no. uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> never mind um but but yeah no I, so i grew up in, within the, in the days of lock-ins and and yeah. video stores just not blockbuster because i'm in the rural south and blockbuster never didn't really make it down here we had sure. like movie gallery and video warehouse but i i, I understand the sentiment <laughs> and
1: and you get the point which is like that was great in that era hmm. you know what i mean like i think you know one of the things i really want church leaders to understand and hear is Um, that just because a change is required doesn't mean you were doing something wrong for all these Mm. years it just means that the world has shifted so think about it that that like come to our institution model works in an era when we have high levels of institutional trust but in an Mm -hmm. era when we don't have high levels of institutional trust and you keep digging into this like come to our church come to our church come to our church well not only is that not going to be as effective as it once was, but you're probably actually moving backwards because you keep mm. digging into this thing and holding up this thing that young people, I mean, we asked them in our survey to rate, you know, their level of tr- their level of trust in different institutions on a scale of one to 10. And we confirmed the same data that other places like Gallup and Pew have been confirming. I mean, in fact, in ours, um, it was, again, it was a scale of one to 10. They rated, young people rated organized religion at a 4.8.
0: Hmm
1: and the highest thing was nonprofit organizations at a 5.3 so like nothing's doing all that well right right Um, uh but and these are the same numbers that gallup has found and and the world economic forum and other places so it's not that what you're doing was wrong and you're dumb it's just that the world has changed and so like just like there's not blockbuster anymore uh we got to change too
0: yeah, no, that you're exactly right. Um, so I wanna I don't know if you if you've I'm sure you've given some thought to this. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask. Um, I think there are people that would hear that, like the whole distrust in, in institutions and all that stuff. And and there would be older people in churches and pastors and leadership in churches that are like, Yeah, but every younger generation like distrusts the power structures. Um mm-hmm. What's different about what you know? You call it Gen Z. What's different about their distrust as it pertains to like, you know, the people in the seventies? Like, like, what's the difference?
1: <laughs> well, so I don't think that there's a particular difference in that sentiment that younger generations. And I'm really glad you brought that up because it's a very smart point. That younger generations are always skeptical. What is what has changed though is now you've got you know, at least one, if not two generations now being raised by people who significantly distrusted generations. And this is different. So Mm. if you think about, like, if you think about my grandfather, who, or anybody of that generation, this the greatest generation, um, you know, he, he went K through 12 public education, um, did well, got out, went to work for Land O'Lakes, a big company, goes and fights in World War II. They, you know, this big military industrial complex defeats the greatest evil that's ever been known, at least recently. Um, you know, that's an institution. They comes back on the GI Bill. They buy a house, indoor plumbing for the first time. Works for Lando Lakes for like 25 years. This grew up rural northern Minnesota. Um, works for Lando Lakes for 20 or 25 years or whatever, rises up through the ranks, gets an actual gold watch when he retires and then gets to actually retire. Like, right? you know, if you asked him you know if you if i were to if he were still alive and i was able to show him some of these data he'd be like well, why doesn't anybody trust institutions like his grandmother i mean my grandmother his wife is still living off of his pension mm. uh, you know like that is so he he would think that this is bizarre right like his whole life was dictated and and made good by institutions uh, that mm. just hasn't been the case increasingly from generations that have followed along you know not shortly you know pretty shortly after his not too long after his generation you start seeing this dramatic decline. So Gallup traces these numbers back from the 1970s, and you just see this precipitous drop in, um, in fact, you can go on Gallup's website and see these numbers. or We reprint them in our report, too, from the 1970s to 2019 about the levels of confidence in institutions. Mm -hmm. You know, the the level of confidence in the presidency has gone from 52 to 38, the medical system from 80 to 36, Congress from 42 to 11, um, Mm -hmm. You know, even public schools from fifty-eight to twenty-nine, and on and on and on. Um, the you know organized religion from sixty-five to thirty-six percent. That's the level of confidence mm. that people have. You know, from eighteen on up. Uh, so that is the thing that is different, is that you know you've got it, it is not any longer sort of the the norm. This like in, this automatic sort of assumed trust, and this is so. I was uh, I was giving this. Presentation at a at a conference, and there were a bunch of people, you know, sort of higher up in the Catholic world, including maybe even a bishop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it takes you know it takes years to get to to these positions, and you ha- and sacrifice and hard work and intelligence and all this kind of things. Um, and I said to them, which is something I say often, I said. You have worked really hard to get to a position of authority precisely at the moment in history when nobody cares about that position anymore. <laughs> and Ow. I was like, and I was like, and I know that that's a hard pill to swallow because I have a PhD and I try to get my students at the university to care about the fact that I have a PhD and that I'm a professor, and they don't care either. They right. don't care about me until they know that I care about them. And mm. as soon as they do know that I care about them, it doesn't matter that I have a PhD. Like they'll do the, you know, they'll treat me the same way that I would have treated my professors automatically back when I was a student. And and you can are you and you can you can pound your fists on the table and get upset about that if you want to, and that's fine. You can you know I think there's a place where you can mourn that and lament that it's gone, and that's okay too. But it doesn't mm-hmm. change the reality that yep. if you really want to reach young people, these credentials, these positions, these titles, these institutions that you're a part of, you know. That's not going to matter, they definitely care about your expertise that that is crucial. your expertise is crucial, and they certainly want to know that you care about them, but you're not going to get it automatically just because you belong to some such and such church or you got you know your degree from such and such place
0: yeah, I think that's yeah that's so good and and I, and like again, it's one of those things that like. I feel like in youth ministry world, there's a lot of us that that know that and have seen that and have been trying to tell our churches, like, this is, this is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a friend of mine, he's a youth pastor and he told me the story one time where he had taken his kids on a retreat. That's kind of a thing that everybody still does. We go on weekend retreats with our students. Um, I think they're great. I think they get people out of their comfort zones and people get to, you know, bond together in ways they wouldn't have before. Um, cause my, my ministry is so much about connection and, and more than anything. And so, um, or at least I, I hope that it is. I try to let it be. Um, and so he was telling me the story where he was talking to some of his students who are pretty regular attenders. Um, and just like everybody else there, we have a lot of students that are kind of like, uh, fringe kids. They show up when they show up. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, a lot of us youth pastors feel the pressure from our churches to like, why aren't those fringe kids coming more? And we're just like, look, I'm just glad they show up every now and then. Like, can we just, can we just celebrate the fact that they're here occasionally? <laughs> um, yeah. But is, that the was, metri- is, is that the metric you yeah.
1: ultimately care about like, right, is that, right right <laughs> is showing up the thing that you is is that like in your you know when you sit around and think deeply about what you really want with young people is showing up the thing that you really want from them and right or is that a, is, are are you making an assumption that showing up is the way to get to them
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i want to, to cut you off in a second no, no, yeah, no! Sorry. You're good. That's 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 great. Because I'm 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 right there with you. I'm tracking. Um. So this guy was talking to the student that did come a lot, and he was like, "Man, I know you come a lot. I, I'm I'm glad we have programming that you like and stuff that you like. And I'm glad you're you're doing this, that, and the other." And this kid was so honest, and he was like, "Dude, I come because I like hanging out with you. Yeah. Like yeah. That's why I'm here because I have fun hanging out with you. And like yeah, I learn from you, but like I have fun hanging out with you because you care about me." And I I hear that story and, you know, for, for every youth pastor that, that slaves over a program for hours in a week, I mean, you can take that one of two ways. You can be like, oh man, that sucks. Or you can be like, oh man, that's awesome. (laughs) Because look, you're, you're exactly right. You are in a world, we are in a world where, um, that respect is not a given, and that opportunity to speak into a student's life is not just something that they're going to give you. We have to earn it, um, yeah. as, as as ministers, as youth pastors, whatever you want to call us. Like we have to earn that. They're not just going to give it to us. And you can, like you said, you can you can be mad about, oh, these young kids and they don't have any respect. Okay, but like it's not changing, man. Um, unless unless we do something. And and the something that we do is so to me, it's so simple, um, <laughs> of just like giving a crap about students like it's like (laughs) well it's amazing simple
1: yeah but i think josh like this is the thing that this is exactly where i feel like there's so much confusion because like you said every book that's out there has been talking about relational ministry for a really long time and Mm -hmm. without this broader context again without understanding the way that the rest of the world is working i think that it has you know you could easily get the impression that like i and I I think rightfully so, I think there's a lot of youth directors who would say, I do give a crap about students. Look at all the time I put into designing this program for them. Like, you know, we got the best band in town to come and play at our fall kickoff party. And like, you know, we, we, you know, we have a a group of youth who sit on our advisory, you know, thing who help us decide where to go for summer mission trips every year and blah, 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 you know, and, and so I think that like, but that's not what, the data keep telling us that all those things are certainly, you know, you internally may see those as giving a crap about youth. And I think that they are because you're working really hard and being very intentional about them, but maybe we're not being intentional in the ways that that you really want. Like, you know, my years ago, my grandmother, my, on the other side of my family gave me this sweater that she worked really hard on and it was super ugly, right? <laughs> it didn't change the fact that, you know, it was, it was a nice intention,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, but it wasn't a gift that a 15 year old josh packard was gonna wear (laughs) um and i think that's maybe a little bit where we are in the church like she certainly gave a crap right but it just wasn't from my perspective and i think what the data keep telling us about the ways that 15 16 17 year olds want us to care about them is the things that you're pointing out which is like how are you doing let's get coffee like how was your week you know (laughs) all that kind of
0: stuff Yeah. I had a student, I have a student, um, who is, uh, he's on, on the spectrum somewhere. Um, and, and I, um, but pretty, really high functioning, but just, just, just a a different kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's kind, he's kind of dark too. Like he's had, he's kind of had a, a dark life and, um, love him to death. He's the, he's the best kid. One of my, one of my favorites and I don't have favorites, but he's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, one day really early on in, in my ministry at the, sh- at the church that he's at, um, I, I went up to him, I was coming through the, the, the room and I was like, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And I, I said, Hey, how are you doing to him? And he like, was like, "What well, do you really want to know? And he said it really aggressively. Like it was, yep. and, and so I literally like, I was like, This is in my brain. I was like, this is a teaching moment. And so, like, I spun around and I sat down beside him. I'm like, yeah, I do. I was really, I was like, really in his face about it. I was like, I do, man. I was like, I need you to understand from me that I do mean it. And so, if you're having a crappy day, tell me you're having a crappy day. I don't want you to ever lie to me about it because I mean it. And if, and even if I don't, even if I really didn't mean it, I'm so glad you called me on it because I want to know. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but I say that to say, that same student you fast forward two years three years I've been at no four or five four or five years I've been in ministry at this church now yeah. um, and we had we had one of these weekend retreats not that long ago and we had this really cool moment where everybody got to pray for one another and there's some really cool things that came out of that conversation that I actually kind of want to bring around to this um but he was like I noticed he was like hovering around after like the the worship time was over and this kid comes in my <laughs> the room that I was staying in he goes, hey, I'm never going to do this again, but I just wanted to do this. And this, he like hugged the crap out of me. Hmm. Um, and this is a kid who like, it's not what he does. Um, right. That's not, that's not how he, he interacts with the world at all. Um, and he just walked away and he's just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And the reason what his, what he was responding to <clears throat> is that um, he, he came in, in the room I was at and I was like, Hey, I wanted to let you know, cause this kid had like moved away and then moved back. It was a really weird family dynamic. And like, he had been gone for like a couple of months out of our ministry and he came back and um, I said, Hey, I wanted you to know, like, I know you didn't really even want to come on this trip, but like, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're part of our group because you bring a lot to the table and I really enjoy having you here. And I know you don't believe that, but like, that's the truth. And he just walked away saying like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so those are the stories that I'm like, that's that's proving every everything that you guys are saying. Um, because it didn't matter that I had this huge, you know, retreat planned and we went and we did fun that <laughs> we went to an aquarium and we, and we like that's fine. Right. And, I, and I did sure. those things because I genuinely want them to have fun. Yeah. But the thing the thing that moved him the most from the whole thing was we we had a time that night to pray together about anything that we wanted. To just be mm-hmm. open 100% with a big group. These are the things I'm dealing with. These are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things I'm celebrating. Let's talk about them. And then after that, um, we had a I had a conversation one-on-one where I was just like, hey, we're glad you're here. And here's the thing. I said that because I know this kid doesn't believe that. <laughs> um, right. He's told me on more than one occasion, things like it would be better if I wasn't here. Um, Um, he, 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 he acts like he's a a burden sometimes he says things really negatively about himself. And so I know this kid, what this kid needs is he needs to feel included. He needs to feel like he's welcome here. Um, and so like, again, that's why I come back to all of this and I'm like, it all checks out. Like I'm living it, man. I'm, I'm living that on, on the, on the front lines of ministry. Um, and so I just, I mean, I look at the stuff that you guys are doing and I'm, I'm like, yeah, (laughs) of course.
1: (laughs) For sure. For sure. And let me um you know, let me just piggyback off of that and say that yeah. you know it's it's so easy uh to think that, that that's that those simple things are are not that meaningful. And mm-hmm. and you've seen it firsthand and, and I work with a local uh parachurch ministry here that that does nothing but relational ministry. Mm-hmm. Um it's there, and they do it in this incredibly sophisticated way, and we can talk more about that when we get to the solutions part here. But just, uh, you know, the relationship, the data are clear that relationships with trusted adults reduce the impacts of isolation and loneliness and stress like crazy. Um, And those, those impacts are incredibly negative. So being severely isolated has the same health impacts as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, I think is what the prevailing data is Mm. um, on that. It, the, the social scientists who study this, you know, these are heightened risk factors for. mental health disorders and suicide and all kinds of things. Right. So I know that it can feel like doing nothing to sit and listen to a young person, but you're not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you really are doing something incredibly vitally important. And it's something that young people just so often don't have. I mean, one of the most heartbreaking numbers that came out of the study for me, that was sort of most eye-opening was that nearly a third of young people have one or fewer trusted adult in their life. And that includes their parents. Mm. They, had, they could only, you know, that were 32% said they have one or fewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, the magic number here for trusted adult relationships is five. I mean, if you can get a young person to five, and nobody has to do that all by themselves. Like, you know, it's not like each, you know, every church plus school, you know, we need five at church and five at school and five at home and all that. <laughs> right. You know, just like, if we can just get the total number to five then the the impact is substantial i mean like it, it drops those numbers those really risky numbers those really bad numbers all the way down into the like low single digits of, mm-hmm. of young people saying that they feel isolated and stressed and alone and all that kind of stuff um so imagine a third of the population having one or fewer it's incredibly problematic so you mm-hmm. simply letting somebody know that you're well that you're glad that they're there and, and that you wanted them to be there man, that's incredibly powerful and um it's an important that we find ways to 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 do that in a very systematic and scalable way.
0: Mm, yeah. That yeah. And, and so I want to talk about that, but I do want to real quick cuz this is, you know, you mentioned we're all, you know, a lot of us are self-quarantined or we're now I'm going to stay at <laughs> home shelter in place order. Yep. Um and so a lot of us are moving ministry online. Um a lot of us are doing having to learn new things. I'm I'm doing different things than I was doing in ministry before because I know, you know, you can't move to a whole new format and do the same thing you were doing when you were meeting in person. Um, we're all trying new things, we're all trying to figure this out, but I just wonder, I don't know you don't have the data to prove anything yet, but what do you think this situation that we're all in right now, what do you think that's going to do to these numbers that you're looking at?
1: Oh, actually, Josh, we do have some of this data. We just put a survey out in the in the field last week, um, and got the results back this week. and And we'll be releasing more of these. But the one, the one here, the one number I'll say that is just absolutely vital that people understand is that you know young people were isolated and alone before COVID nineteen and stay at home. That has only been more exacerbated by this. And um, Mm -hmm. so, one of the questions that we asked last week was, "Has somebody reached out to check on you specifically? You specifically." 25% of young people said nobody's reached out to them, um, Mm. which is, you know, that number to me is too big, uh, that somebody should be checking on everybody. And, uh, but, but the more embedded number that is, that is probably more problematic for me is of the 75% who said that someone had reached out to them. Only 1% of those reach outs were from faith leaders. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 1%. 1%. Mm. Now, I talked to a pastor who said, you know, well, if, you know, I haven't reached out to anybody individually, because if I reach out to some people, then others are going to get jealous that I didn't reach out to them. And so I just haven't done anything. And I'm like, you know, all these pastors and all these leaders are spending, I mean, how much time in, in this entire country in the last two weeks went to getting, you know, worship services streaming on YouTube, you know, with, yeah. with just exactly the right sound and the right camera focus and and, and all this. and And yet how many people went uncontacted? as they were yeah. trying to figure out how to navigate life, how many, not not just young people now, but old people too. Um, yeah, this is, this is inc- you know, the, the words that I want people to remember here, the phrase um, is mode of delivery. You know, mm. if you're really clear about what the win is for you, if relationships with young people are what you're after, or if, you know, progressing towards having a, a deep and meaningful relationship with God um, or in the Christian context with Jesus, if whatever it is, if you know what you're after, everything else is just a mode of delivery, right? Mm. Uh, all of my classes at the university shifted from being in person to online. Didn't matter. I mean, you know, there were some things I had to do, but like I, I understand what we're trying to do with each class. I know what my learning outcomes are. I know what my teaching philosophy is. I get what the underlying principles are in terms of how I interact with students and what I'm trying to, how I'm trying to move them from the beginning of the semester to the end of the semester, and what we're trying to get to everything else is just a mode of delivery and now am I yeah. better at some modes than others for sure like yeah. <laughs> being online is not as you know I'm not maybe as effective there yet um as as I am in person but it doesn't like disrupt our entire world we're still going after the same thing yeah. um but you, and so I don't you know I'm not like holding on to it with such a tight grip I'm like oh that was just a mode of delivery now we're just going to yeah. shift to
0: this other mode and that's because you know the win and here Here's the issue um with churches and I got to tell you um that those numbers are a gut punch um even to myself um and here's why You're right. We we churches have spent the past couple of weeks trying to figure out how to move everything online work that needed to be done if we're going to continue to do that part of what we do. Sure. Um however, um what was that work done for and when I want to circle back earlier you said is the point to get a lot of people to show up. Uh like because if it is, then that's why – and I think it is in a lot of churches, and that's why the energy went into mm-hmm. how to – we it, instead of butts and pews or chairs or whatever your church has, <laughs> it was viewers on Facebook yeah. or v- viewers on YouTube. That culminated with, uh, for a lot of churches into what the win was. Even myself, as relational as I try to be – Um, you know, first thing I did was I shifted into how do we move everything online? We do everything on zoom and Mm -hmm. I did it that way. Like most of us are, a lot of us are using zoom, but I'm actually one of the holdouts in youth pastor world that I know that we're not doing any of this live stream pre-recorded, none of that stuff. Um, because I don't think it's important right now. I just don't. Mm -hmm. Um, what I think is important, especially as we move farther and farther is connection. And so, like Wednesday night for us, we still meet on Wednesdays and Sundays, like we always have, but those have changed. Wednesday night, I don't even, we don't even, we literally don't have a lesson. There's not a Bible study. Everybody just gets to go around and say, like, hey, this is what I'm feeling today. Um, Which right now is school sucks. I hate doing (laughs) school online. But three weeks from now, four weeks from now, a month from now, however long this thing goes on. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty entrenched in the idea that it's going to be longer than we think it is, as mm. is where I'm, is where I'm landing. Um, uh, maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I'm planning for that eventuality. Um, I thought it was important for us to build that in early that you're just going to yep. get a day, a day a week to come to quote unquote youth group and just be able to share anything and everything that's on your mind. And we're going to listen to you and we're not going to interrupt you and we're just going to hear you. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing that. And, um, like today, right before I met with you, um, we had a, like a, our first ever virtual prayer breakfast. And, uh, mm-hmm. we just hung out in our kitchens and ate cereal and, um, did, a, a, a scripture reading practice called Lectio Divina, uh, together. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. and our kids loved it cause it wasn't, I'm going to, I'm going to preach you a message. I was like, let's just read scripture and see what it's saying. And whatever you're feeling about it is, is what you're feeling about it and, and reflect on it and use it. Um, those connection things, those are great, and I tried to make them connectional, but my point, so I don't uh, you know, go farther on this, I didn't reach out to many students individually um, because my energy was in this other place. Mm-hmm. And what changed it for me, and I still even need to do it better, so I, need, I want you to know I'm attacking myself here. <laughs> um, there was like two students that I hadn't seen since this whole thing started, like two of my students. One of them was the one that I was just talking about. Um, And I was like, I haven't seen them. They haven't gotten on Zoom. And my first instinct was to be like, well, they had the links. Why didn't they just do it? And I even went like, they're always on their phones. Why don't they just hop on Zoom? And then I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. And so I like, I, and I had to do, I had to force myself because the pride part of me wanted to be like, I'm doing all this stuff for them and they're not showing up. And I was like, how quickly did I shift into that mindset, even though it's not the one that I ever want to be in. And sure. so I, I texted those students and I, and look, they're, they're, we're in a world now where honestly, it's easier to go to any youth group you want to, um, <laughs> And So one of my students was super honest. She's like, I have a friend in another state. They're doing all their stuff on zoom. So I've been hanging out with their youth group. And I was like, I texted her back. I was like, that's awesome. I'm so glad. Um, just let, just letting you know, we're here for you. If you need anything, text me. That was one of the hardest texts I've sent in a really long time. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't about like, she doesn't like us or she doesn't like what we're doing. It was like, I have this opportunity to like connect to people I haven't connected with. And so like, I'm going to take it. And yeah, and, and I could have taken that offensively and, and I don't even know. She may have even meant it offensively. I have no idea, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I wrote it down in my brain as like, no, that's cool. Um, that's cool because she's still, she's connecting. She knows I care, which is what matters. Um, and we're going to be good. We're yeah. it's going to be fine. And, and, um, man, so I, it's, it's, it's good. It's good to me to know. And it's not good that those are the numbers, but it's good to me to know that you guys are thinking about that because, I don't think the world's ever the same after this. Um, and I hope for the church's sake that we will take things away from this. Um, even when we can be back together in the same space um, that we will understand the need for connection. Cause that's what I hope that we're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that we have to be connected. It, it, it really
1: is true. You know I mean? Right now there's a whole lot of adults um, who are feeling for the first time, maybe ever, what our young people walk around feeling all the time, you know the yeah this we we're launching we're, we'll have our own little podcast season around the launch of belonging, which just the report is called belonging reconnecting America's loneliest generation. It came out this week as we're recording it uh, as we're recording this. It's April third today, um, mm-hmm. and in a couple of weeks we'll have a first season of our podcast. And one of the people where we have young people responding directly to the data, so they're not talking about the data. They're sort of talking about how those trends show up in their own lives and this one of the interviews that i was doing they said i said is it more common for you to feel seen or for you to feel invisible and they're like oh invisible young people just feel invisible all the time Mm. and and so i think you know in some ways like what we can take away from this is a little bit of empathy as adults and this, this sort of disruption. And there's, a, we don't have time to necessarily get into all this, but there's all this like neurological processing that goes on when you're alone. That's way different than when you feel that, when you feel like you're a part of the group that, and not necessarily in good ways. Um, mm-hmm. And like, that is what young people are dealing with all the time. So this like, as an adult, like you're sitting home right now and you really just miss the connection that you have, even with your like loose ties in your community at your gym or wherever Um, well, that's what young people feel all the time. This is, you know, this moment that we're in is not like, this is not a a moment for churches to take this bandaid approach to figure out, um, you know, how can we, you know, how can we keep doing an approximate version of what we were doing long enough until this is over so we can go back to doing what we were doing in full. This Mm -hmm. is the moment to really be thinking innovatively about, you know, these trends were here long before the stay at home orders, they're going to be here for youth long after that, you know, what are we learning and what are we doing in this time that can really create the most dynamic relational ministry that we can
0: possibly make? Hmm. Yeah, man, that's that insight of, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, I mean, people are experiencing what our students have been experiencing and, and maybe that's, a, maybe that's something good that comes out of all this ridiculousness. Um, <laughs> it has the potential to be, I mean, it really does. Yeah, for, yeah. It's for churches to get it to come on board. Um, and even those of us, like, I mean, I, I like to think that I, I get this, but even, you know, even if I ex- expressed here, like there's, you know, parts of me that kind of fall into older patterns, probably because I needed the safety net and the, in the craziness that was happening in the first couple of weeks of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always ways to be better, um, for sure. And so I kind of want to, I kind of want to end with that thought. What would you want to say kind of summarize to churches? What, like how they can, be better at this. How can we get that number up, and not just to get people in in our churches, but how can we make it so that students are feeling connected, loved, valued, part of this something bigger—the kind of thing that actually keeps people in faith, not just like church attendance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a great question, and I would—I mean, there's in some ways two different answers here. So I'll start—I'll start with leaders. You know, people who are not necessarily maybe you're working directly with youth maybe you're not but you know what i would have loved for your i don't know who your boss is but i would love for your boss when you were when you were doing those things last week that maybe you feel like weren't quite as relational and they were falling back in old patterns i would love for your boss to be like no that's not good enough like that's not what we're going to be doing here like permission giving like part of the reason why you do the things that the, that we do is because of the way that we're incentivized to do them in so many programs even in this shift to to stay at home is are still incentivized through nickels and noses. Like you said, we're counting, we're counting, you know, viewers on Facebook Live now, not butts and seats, but we're still counting, mm-hmm. right? So leaders really need to 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 start helping, um, give permission to, to make this shift, um, mm-hmm. and to and to measure what matters. And you can if, it, just think if we brought as much sophistication to relationships as we brought to our programming over the last, you know, fifteen or twenty or twenty five years there's this misnomer out there that relation like we can't do relational ministry in a scalable way because it relies on like you know one person just sort of having the right disposition and and then they're at capacity really quickly well sure that's true one person only does have so much capacity but if we really sat down and 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 thought in really innovative ways we can have an impact way beyond ourselves either by mobilizing volunteers or leveraging technology or all kinds of things and there are some pretty great examples out there Um, there's the ministry that I mentioned here, for example, that does their whole thing relational and reaches something like 10% of the kids in this County, um, from their staff of seven or eight, Mm. they, they have this app that they built. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a CRM if you know what CRMs are, but it's for ministry. Mm -hmm. And and the point is that, um, you know, they know what their goals are and what steps are trying to get the kids to move through, but they track every point of contact with every kid that comes through their ministry. So that Mm. at any moment they can look it up and see where that kid is on their journey, who last had contact with them, if they're, and this is this works for them because they deal with a lot of kids who are from traumatic backgrounds and in crisis, and they and they want to be able to you know triage and triangulate that quickly. Right. Um, So it's a particular, but you know what I mean, like those kinds of solutions where we're really, really thinking powerfully about how to how to move beyond one person's ability to foster so many relationships. That's what's needed here. Mm. Thankfully. you know, in our research, it wasn't just about documenting problems. The, one of the things I, I tell people, I I tell my staff at Springtide all the time is that we never want to just be interesting. We want to be useful. Hmm. Um, It's, you know, there's plenty of research out there that's interesting, but nobody knows what to do with it or, you know, it doesn't, doesn't help anybody live their lives better. And uh, so we were able to, you know, we asked the right kinds of questions to help us get to something that was useful. And, what the young people articulated to us was that a sense of belonging for them was really the end point of a process, and that process uh, we 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 came to call being noticed and then named and then known. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we go into this in a little bit more detail in the report, but but it's pretty. I mean, it's it's somewhat straightforward in the sense that, but but it is like there's power in naming something that you might take for granted otherwise, and then making sure that you track where each of your young people are on that notice name, known framework and, and moving them, you know, helping and working to make sure and and get them from one point to the next, to the next, because, you know, once you get them through those, that once you get them through those three points, create this sense of belonging is almost, I wouldn't say it's impossible to break. Everything can be broken, but those are, then you have these really durable thriving communities of young people that, that have relationships, not just with you, but, but good relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that they don't that they don't often always have um, and so the, we, were, we were just really uh, heartened by this notion that that young people were you know we kept asking them where they felt a sense of belonging and they kept telling us who and for a while that was frustrating us um, <laughs> until until we started asking them a, di- a slightly different question which was okay if that's who makes you feel like you belong then how do they make you feel like you belong and that's how we were able to get to this notice name known framework and it's incredibly powerful and it's useful in a lot of different settings.
0: Yeah, man, that's, yeah, that's, that's so good. And, and I just, you know, again, it comes back to this, I I keep going back to this and saying like it, it, it it seems so easy. um, This idea that just like, I mean, cause like we all want it, we all want those things. Like we, we do. Um, Even I talk to people that do this, that I've had on this show that have, intimated the same things to me they're not gen z kids they're just people that's what that's what they want um but we have like you're right we have to do there's a shift that has to happen um for us to get there even though it is like quote unquote simple um and i think Mm -hmm. churches churches need to be willing to do that um and that might look like giving up something that you thought was great because it's just not anymore um Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if your goal is to get people in, it might get people in, but is it, is it helping them? Is it changing them? And and the reality to me is, you know, this data tells me that it's, it's not, I mean, it's not, not, not in any way that's tangibly different than people outside of the church. And I think that should, mm-hmm. that should worry, that should worry a lot of churches. If there's not a, like a, a discernible difference, then, then what are we doing? Like, what, right. are we, what, what are we spending our time doing? What was the, what's the point of it all is, is the point of it all that every, every one of our students feels exactly the same as all the students that have quote unquote, no hope. And like, like, are we not, we're not changing lives. We're, we're they're they they feel the same and we've added a new activity in their lives. So they feel lonely, but they just have to go to this thing. Like, <laughs> busier. like we've, all, all we've done is made them busier. Right, right, right. Um, and man, I just, you know, I, we, oh gosh, I wish I had time to talk about this, but I, I, um, and, in, in, in the show with you, cause, and maybe we can do it. I want to talk to you a little bit when we get done, but, um, I, I, I work with a nonprofit or starting and starting a nonprofit that are, is dealing with, with the issue of teen suicide, but also the teen, teen self-worth and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a response to something that happened in our town and it came out of a conversation I had on that same retreat I was talking about where every single one of my students, every single one of them intimated in a prayer time that I don't feel good enough I don't feel smart enough I don't feel loved enough I don't feel like I have mm. any friends yeah. um and it all culminated in this idea of all these kids are are really lonely they're really disconnected and the thing that connected us all that night was that we were all we all re I think they all realized for maybe the first time that like oh we all feel this way
1: yeah I'm not alone in my loneliness.
0: Right. And, uh, man, it's just been, it's been, it's been cool to see how we've responded to that, how they've responded to that. Um, one of the coolest things about this whole craziness we're in right now is the very first night we had a zoom meeting for our youth group. One of the kids who was there that night, but recently moved away, um, popped into the zoom group. I didn't invite <laughs> her. Um, it didn't even cross my mind to invite her. Um, but she showed up and then Mm -hmm. she showed up the next week and then she showed up the next week. And I was like, what's going on here? Because I'm like, this girl lives in a different state. She's at a different church. Um, you know, what doesn't her youth group have something to be doing? Like what's going on? And she's like, well, my youth group wasn't really doing anything. So like, here I am. And, uh, so then that got my wheels turning. And so I started reaching out to any student that I've had that's moved away. That's still like youth group age. And I was like, Hey, we're doing stuff. You want to come hang out. You're definitely invited. Um, and it's been so cool to see how from a a little retreat, you know, a year ago now that, that idea of like, you have worth and value here and you're safe here, um, that I wanted to intimate. I feel like we did it. I mean, I -hmm. I count that as a huge win for us. Um, and I just, you know, I'm, but I'm still even saying that I'm still not the best at it. I still make mistakes. And so I love that you guys are doing work out here to show people how to do better at it. Um, I know you could probably talk all day more about all the things that you're doing. So if you could real quick, before we wrap this thing up, can you tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can read your research? Um, just kind of give them that spiel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can, we're at springtideresearch.org. Um, but you know, the most immediate way to find us is on social media. Like you did, we, it's a, the, the handle for us is we are springtide across basically all the platforms, um. Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and whatever else uh, probably things that I don't even know about <laughs> um, <laughs> the but people can also get in touch with me directly I'm at Josh at we are springtide I mean, I'm sorry Josh at springtide research.org um, our, our report is called belonging reconnecting America's loneliest generation it's on sale at Amazon and on our own website um, we'd love to hear from you we're using the hashtag show up for young people if you want to tell us your story about how you show up for young people um, mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of ways to stay in touch. We've got a, a newsletter chock full of resources and and thoughts that that comes out too that you can get on our website. So a lot of different ways to to stay in touch, and we'll have more research coming out throughout the year, including a state of religion and young people report that'll come out in the fall.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for coming and hanging out and talking with me and letting me talk about youth ministry and and how we can do it better. You give me some stuff I need to go and work on. So thanks. Well, for Oh, it that. sounds
1: like you're sounds like yeah. you're on the right track, Josh. <laughs> I wouldn't beat yourself
0: up too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And guys, I hope you've enjoyed it. Go and check Josh and Spring Tide out, and uh, I will see you guys next time. Bye. thanks guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review. That helps us climb up those ranks. If you want to contact us with your story of church hurts, you can reach out to us at whenchurchhurtsus at gmail.com, Or if you're on the Anchor app, you can actually go and leave a voice memo and we will be able to listen to that on the show and talk about it on the show. So if that's something you would like to do to retain your anonymity, you can totally do that. We want this to be as safe a place uh, for everyone to be able to share their stories and, uh, and be able to heal from it. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time.